everyone, and welcome to Phone Calls with Brendan and Ian. I'm Brendan Garland, and I'm a visual artist and creative. And I'm Ian Schaller. I'm a personal trainer and a philosopher. Brendan and I met at college in the Midwest, but now, living on opposing coasts, we keep in touch through phone calls, which we are sharing with you. As a podcast, phone calls is freeform, authentic, and natural, much as any conversation to a friend would be. Using mindfulness as our guide, we unpack our daily lives and travel across a spectrum of topics, which ultimately lead us back to mindfulness. As the listener, we hope our phone calls give you insight on how to allow yourself to simply be and live more consciously. Hello. Hey, Kim. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay. Hey, Cam, it's Ian. Can you hear me? I can. Nice. It's working. Yeah. So if anybody, because we had this problem the last time we tried to record with three people, Mm -hmm. if anybody like can't hear the other person, then we'll just have to stop and then try to address it at that point. But hopefully it works now. So I guess. Well, do you want to introduce yourself, Kim? I guess we'll start there. Sure. Um, I'm Kimberly Harlan. I don't know what to do. I heard part of the one where you guys were talking to your library friend, and I was like, I'm not as cool (laughs) as him. (laughs) That's Um, not true at all. (laughs) um, I am a teacher. uh, I'm a fitness enthusiast. Uh, I am a lifelong learner, as corny as that sounds. Mm. Like, mm. all day, every day. All day, every day. <laughs> all I do is learn, 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 no matter what. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> See, you're already cooler than Adam. <laughs> oh my gosh, this uh, teaching with a mask on is killing me. Not that I'm advocating to not teach with it. <laughs> Like, not saying that at all, but, like, just, like, the amount of, because I'm not, like, a, with my kids, like, I'm more of a facilitator when I teach, I and I taught that way before remote learning was a thing, so I'm just not used to, like, projecting as much. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. It's exhausting. Are you doing remote learning now, or are you in person? I am in person with mm. 23 babies and one little, well, my room's not little, but in one, in one space. Uh-huh. So. so it's early education? Uh, mid-level. I teach sixth grade. Math oh, gotcha. Grade. Sorry. Yeah. Babies. The word babies threw me off. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Even my, so my first year babies were, I taught them when they were in the fifth grade and they just graduated, like, class mm-hmm. of 2020. So, mm-hmm. yeah, anytime I talk about, like, my first year babies, like, my sixth graders are like, do you have kids? I'm like, no, not <laughs> to. I have helped shape their minds, hopefully a little bit, so. Yeah, definitely. So. so, a fitness enthusiast, what do you mean by that? Do you want to go a little bit into that? Uh, I just enjoy working out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I grew up playing basketball and softball and volleyball, and I played all the way throughout high school and like I did like AAU and I did like travel softball and like junior Olympic volleyball. Wow. So, but I just really enjoy it. Um, over quarantine, I had to get, um, a little creative because, um, our, my husband and I were, were 
pretty much isolated. And even though our gym has opened up, he's like, mm, I don't think I want to do that yet. And I was like, well, I will support you in this endeavor. Mm-hmm. So having to find some outdoor stairs and we bought like a battle rope and I had a punching bag like before that and kettlebells, but then like everybody was having to work out from home. So like you couldn't find hardly anything. Yeah. So. Yeah. There was like a, a big shortage on workout equipment. Like you either had to get really creative or you had mm-hmm. to be like purchasing very quickly. Right. Which yeah. I mean, I guess it's good. Like people were like, I, I need to be, moving even though I'm at home but I've done like like hit workouts like at through a place and I've done Pilates and I've done kickboxing there's nothing really that I've like stuck with but like while I was doing it I enjoyed it but it was just kind of like okay well now it's time to find the next thing or I don't know Uh, I have two things to say to that. One, I think it's a great thing. In fact, like uh, on a podcast I was listening to called uh, the Align Podcast with Aaron Alexander, Mm -hmm. Um, he was talking about actually like we, you know, we, our brain gets a lot of good positive like feedback when we're learning new things. So when we're always like jumping from thing to thing and never trying to like, you know, I don't think you can master like hit or Pilates, but you know what I mean by always throwing yourself through a loop. Mm-hmm. You're actually um, more beneficial from that. Um, what's it like going from doing communal like movement, fitness, like, you know, sports to strictly, I mean, I don't know, maybe you do some club sports still now, but it's just strictly um, traditional fitness, I guess, like weightlifting and things. Um, yeah, because I, I, I lift weights. I'm actually, like, going through a weird thing right now. Like, I had a – my hip flexor was being weird. And then, like, since we bar- started back from school, like, my, my feet are swollen. And, like, that's never happened before. And I don't know if it's just, like, my body – like, because over quarantine, like, I was still working out. But, like, I wasn't standing near as much. I stand all day. Like, I, I don't sit at school. So, like, now I'm not able to work out. Like, like my gym, my my joints are stiff. Like I was looking into cryotherapy. Um, yeah. I'm 31. So, and I've, I've broken like 27 different bones. Oh, wow. Like good, good job. Yeah. yeah. And I've torn like multiple ligaments. So I'm just like, and I also, I actually suffer from like scalp psoriasis. Mm. So I like I've always known like or I've always just thought that like psoriatic arthritis like might be in my future. So in like the age range is like like 30s. So I'm like I'm 31 now. Did it just show up on me? Yeah. But going from um like team oriented things to like so it's funny you say that. So I actually wear like a whoop band. Like, which is, I am not like that theory. I'm not a professional athlete, obviously, but it's like a, it continuously like, uh, monitors my heart rate and then like it does my respiratory rate. And like, cause I'm just a data driven, like driven person. Like I like to see it. I like to see what works, what doesn't work. So it actually tells me like based on parameters, like, um, like my recovery, like and what, what type of load my body can take the Mm -hmm. next day Mm -hmm. so but so but you can like join teams so even though I'm like working out like by myself like I still feel like I'm like a part of a team like you just want to do your best 
<laughs> and so it makes your team look good because I was never like I was always a strong player like like I always had teams want me but I knew I wasn't like the star player mm-hmm. like I was like reliable though like she's gonna come here she's gonna do the work she's gonna do it you know well not like you know getting like d1 scholarships or whatever but you know she's solid mm-hmm. so but I think that I I had to transition because um, I do still enjoy like the coach like being coached like having somebody like like critique what I'm doing mm-hmm. so I've actually looked in when I'm not achy to going to like the uh, like the D1 I don't know if you've heard of that or whatever mm-hmm. but we have one here so I was like I kind of want to try that because I miss just having somebody be like okay you're going to do this that's good way to go oh could you try maybe do it that way and I think it's because um, it's something I came across last year I I as a teacher suffer from decision fatigue at the end of the day mm. So, like, when it's time to work out, I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. I've made a thousand decisions today. I don't want to do anything. Wow. So I think that I enjoy the coaching atmosphere and the team atmosphere, and I try and create. I try and create that type of atmosphere if I can. You just put a name to a phenomenon which I've experienced but never knew, like, what to call it. You know what I mean? When you're, like, because some people, you know, you're an example, are, like, fully capable of, like, making, like, a workout for themselves kind mm-hmm. of thing. But then they, like, they would prefer to come to a class or prefer to have a trainer mm-hmm. be- for just that reason. And that's that's really interesting. Wow. Oh, yeah. Like, even, like, and my husband <laughs> – I'll even tell him, because he'll, he'll be like, do you want to cook for dinner? Do you want me to grab something? And I was like, I've made, I've made enough decisions today. I, <laughs> I don't think, I think you're going to have to take one for the team and decide for us. Wow. That's interesting. So. How does uh, all of your data input, like you said, you, you love to learn. Do you think that helps or hinders that phenomenon? <laughs> Um, I think it helps. Like, I, like, I think it, like, especially, so, I mean, so I teach 11 and 12 year olds, and mm-hmm. they, so they were born, like, in 2008, 2009, which just blows my mind, because I was, like, in college then. Yeah. Um, but, like, they don't seek knowledge as a whole group. Like, I have kids that want to learn. Like, they want to know anything. Um, but they, a lot of times, it's like they're at a restaurant and they're waiting for the knowledge to just mm. rain down on them. So, like, I am constantly seeking information. Like, I, I Google. And I know tons of people do that. But, like, with this, like, swollen feet, if I'm like, I didn't know there was fungal arthritis and a viral arthritis and mm-hmm. all this other stuff. So I think, I, I do think, though, sometimes, like, being data-driven does hold me back because I, like, sometimes I don't take the time to process things. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I just want more, more information, more information. And as a teacher, 
like we're constantly like assessing even though it's even like I don't usually give like like traditional tests but like just even like a little problem here or there like I'm constantly being like did you understand that based on this information no you didn't so we clearly need to go back and do something and so I do think that that helps me for the most part because another thing I've noticed about myself and I'm talking a lot I just <laughs> that's great I didn't think that I have I, I was a naturally anxious person but I think what it is is that I learned how to control my anxiety younger because my dad I grew up with a parent who um, was diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic Mm. so he was oh like you never knew what was coming like you never knew and he's also diagnosed with bipolar disorder so um like i haven't started a new tv show all of not one like i rewatch the same ones because i don't have to have any anxiety about it I'm sorry, could you, you cut out for me for just like a brief second. You said you haven't started any new, new TV, TV shows? shows? Yeah, in quarantine, everybody is like binging these new shows and like, they're like, I have all the time for all these TV shows. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, like, since there's so much that I can't control with like the pandemic and stuff, like, I can, I, I watch Friends, I watch Frasier, I watch New Girl, and I watch Just and that's it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you and my girlfriend are the same human in that regard. <laughs> she, no, seriously, for years, she would have friends on in the background, like oh, all day long. Yes, I have it on in the morning, like I wake up with friends. Yep, that's what she did. Yeah, until they took it off Netflix. <laughs> I, I, you should tell her to look. I bought all 10 seasons off Google Play for less than $60. I don't oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know if it's still that, but I was like, this is an investment for my mental health. <laughs> I'm not going to tell her that. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't need that enabling. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ian's like, we that- have a strict budget. Right. Yeah. I've actually thought about that. I think she would enjoy that. Yeah. That's that's a fascinating phenomena too. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I had all of quarantine to learn all of these things about myself. Yeah. Yeah. And like process them. Yeah. So you were just saying that like as a data driven person, you're always kind of you know, go, go, go. Do you think that, mm-hmm. do you, do you think that the pandemic has given you time to reflect and to process? Yeah. Yeah. There are some things that definitely, um, there are times where I'm like, yeah, I feel like if, if I had had like, not to say that like being able to go out and do things is a distraction, mm. but like, I mean, like, we always, like, pack so much into our schedules, and, like, we're always, like, oh, I have to go do this, and I have to go do that, but you don't really have to, but you've, like, created, like, a, well, if I'm not doing something, then I'm, like, boring, you know, like, other people are out there doing stuff, and I'm not, so, but, yeah, I definitely feel like I've been more reflective about certain things, and, like, especially with working out, like, listening to my body, like, I would have to, like, because, like, I have an Apple Watch and I have my other thing, 
and it's like, oh, like, and you can, like, totally change your goals, by the way. Like, I could make my active goal calories, like, 100 if I wanted to. But, like, based on my activity, it's always, like, 800 and something. And I would have to be like, I have to get it every day. I have to get it. No, no, you don't. Like, I was the worst person about taking a rest day. Like, mm. and now I'm like, oh, no, I need a rest day mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever. <laughs> mm. So. What kind of benefits have you seen from those, like, accepting those rest days and then how do you spend your time on your rest days uh i do feel like i like i allowed my body to like recover because like a lot of my workouts during quarantine like i tried to stay at least like 15 to 20 minutes at like 80 percent of my heart rate mm -hmm. so like fairly intense for percent, <laughs> fairly intense um, because I was only doing like 30 to 40 minute workouts. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of my workouts were like fair based because like, I'm not a runner, like, mm -hmm. like I can do sprints and stuff, but like there were so many people utilizing like our local track and like, there were so many people like doing this. So I had to take more care because I was running stairs like three or four times a week. Mm. Um, but I think like I realized with my rest days, like your body physically just needs to take a day and that's okay. <laughs> like mm -hmm. even, even though like I didn't have the added stress of like working, like just the situation that we're all in, like the uncertainty and all of the, like I'm a fairly, politically informed person so like just like all of that like all of the information that we're getting and all of the silliness mm -hmm. like, I, I don't know what to call it all of the, <laughs> the strife i guess uh-huh so how has y'all pandemic been going <laughs> go ahead brennan <laughs> <laughs> um well it's definitely been interesting so well yeah we haven't talked in a long time which is part of the reason why i invited you on because i do like i do follow you on on the social media uh-huh so. the, the good old social media yeah and i definitely like <laughs> double tap all your stuff i'm like yay for you uh -huh. <laughs> i am a cheerleader you just don't know it <laughs> well thank you i appreciate that yeah, so I've pretty much just been doing that, and I've been doing a lot of reading also recently because I do – I'm like a – like I be, I became overwhelmed with all the same stuff like you're talking about, you know, mm -hmm. all this political stuff that's going on and, you know, our uh, president is – a great guy, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the exact word that I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, that exact phrase is what everybody <laughs> says. So it's just like, I, I wanted solutions because I was so tired of hearing um, all these, not tired of hearing it, but, you know, it 
it really is draining to hear about all these things that are wrong. So I was like, you know, what are some like practical things that I can really start doing? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of been what I've been doing as well as uh, with the help of Ian finding some ways to incorporate more movement things into my life mm-hmm. just to get rid of some of that energy. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, um, I mean, this podcast has actually been a big driver of the past, like, what has it been? Has it been seven months? Is it almost seven months of this weirdness? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, going on. Yeah. So, um, this is like one of my things that's really keeping me afloat in terms of having something really beautiful to focus on. Um, also just being outside in nature and going on a lot of walks and moving my body. Um, starting like a new job and working in the garden. And yeah, I guess just Brendan said trying to figure out something practical that he could do in order to make a difference. And I think that I do the same, but I I think it's just my perception of that is the more that I can work on myself and then the more, hold on, car going by. The more that I can work on myself and improve myself, the more I can make an impact on people, hopefully in some way, or just make better decisions in my life. Yeah. Um, in any way, that'll help, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested. So how are... Because, well, so you're in person now at school... But how has the teaching been impacted by this? Or, like, how has the kids' engagement with what you're teaching changed at all? So, I actually, um, we don't have a union here, a teacher's union. We have, like, a, I forget what it's called, an association. Mm. And I actually uh, am a fellow. Like, I earned a fellowship for that. Um, And my first article that I have to write is about equity. So, and as a middle school teacher, like, I I know how to give students what they need academically. Like, this is my ninth year, and I, you know, I have, a like, an undergrad, and I have a master's in gifted and talented, so I'm, like, a really flexible, like, it's okay that we're not all at the same place. I just want you to be further than where you were when mm-hmm. you got here. Like, so, like, I, I can work with equity academically, like emotionally. I feel like just like my life and the way I grew up, like, like it lends itself to that. And then like physically, like in the room, oh, do you need this type of accommodation? I can get that too. But I was talking today, I was like, I, I don't know that I'm being very equitable with my kids because I, I don't know what they need because this has never happened before. And a lot of them don't know how to vocalize what they need they don't know how to tell me what they need so like we have uh partitions like little dividers that are set up and they wear their mask and I wear my mask and like we have like seating charts um so like if a, a student tests positive um 
then anybody who's considered a point of contact would be six feet within, or for a cumulative amount of 16 minutes throughout the day. So, like, what I was saying earlier, like, I'm a facilitator. Like, I teach math, so a lot of my kids are at all these different levels. Like, they, like I have some kids who could probably be doing algebra right now, and then I have some kids that just need help and they need support with, like, borrowing during subtraction. So I'm used to, like, going over and helping and, like, being right there beside them. Like, so, you know, because not everybody needs to hear what we're taught. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But, like, I ha- I find myself being, like, okay, i got to be, like, real quick. i got to be, like, real quick and real succinct. And it's kind of like a, I'm, like, a, like walking by. Oh, what's your question? Oh, well, if you look here. And then I'm, like, walking away and I feel horrible. But I'm, like, ah, it's also to keep you safe and me safe. But this, this aspect of education or this uh, time of pandemic isn't as hard on me as it is on other teachers because, like, I'm fairly technologically advanced. Like, I have, like, a slide or I have, like, like Google Slides for, like, the week and then it's, like, all clickable and there are links. And I have, like, videos of me, like, going through the task and, like, giving directions that I make the night before, which takes me, like, 10 minutes maybe. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I found myself having to repeat myself over and over again because I have a mask on and they can't hear me. Mm. So, but, like, it's for some teacher and, like, we don't hand out papers. Like, there, there's no paper. Like, the only paper that I hand out for them is scratch paper. And I have to hand it to them. And then, like, when they're done with it, I have to directly take it back up because I recycle my scratch paper. So mm-hmm. so I can put it in the bin. But, like, there's no communal supplies. They all carry their supplies with them. Like, we, like when I only have two classes because we team teach. Mm-hmm. Um but when aesthetic like leaves me, like we sanitize the room, like I have to go down and wipe down the chairs and I wipe down the tables and I wipe down the partitions. It's kind of crazy. Wow. I was like, my brother, he's currently uh, working at on the border. I was like, I need to get some tips from you on how to wipe down these tables quicker. <laughs> yeah. You need more arms. Yeah, well, it's crazy because teachers, and as you know, are responsible for so many things. And now they're now also responsible for like basically taking on like the front of all of this change because mm-hmm. i mean you guys are the people who are really on the front lines you know with kids and trying to come up with a curriculum that is going to engage them and then also cleaning and you know mm-hmm. well and so i've had a few kids that like so if you're if they're not feeling good or whatever and they if they go to the nurse and like it's like she goes through like this this little list 
And if you have, like, so many symptoms, she has to send you home, obviously. Um, but if you don't go and get a differential diagnosis or if you don't get a test, you have to be out for 10 days. So, but, like, you still have to do your work. So we're also having to, like, and I just set up, like, a Google Meet, and I just have my iPad going, and they can they can say some things, like, from if they join. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's really hard because they the kids don't. And I'm, like, it's hard because, like, as an educator, we're still held to the, you need to be teaching them. They need to be actively learning these standards. But I'm like, I don't, I don't know that they're emotionally like, you know, like mm. it's hard to reconcile. Like, yes, I do think that they need to learn this stuff because next year they're going to go to seventh grade and it may not be this way. And the teacher like, yes, will know, but like, they'll just be kind of not necessarily behind because everybody will be where they're at. But like, I don't know that I have, I was just talking about this earlier, like, I don't know that I have the leeway to just, like, tell everybody in class, okay, we're going to take, like, a 10-minute, like, meditate, or, you know, put your head down, or, like, mm-hmm. I, I even pull up sometimes, like, uh, for when I'm stressed, like, I like watching Kinect band videos, mm-hmm. like, that's a big <laughs> stress reliever for me, so, like, when I have a kid who I can tell is, like, about to hit, like, the threshold, I'm like, yeah, like, just uh, watch, you know, just, like, it's so hard. Because, yeah. like, if, if, like, an administrator came in, like, I feel like I'd be able to justify myself. Like, it's not like I'm just, like, do whatever you want. But I'm like, ah, oh, just be teaching them math. hmm So. That's actually something I was going to, like ask about because you're so into movement yourself and Mm -hmm. I feel that there's such a strong connection between because I mean it's really hard to stay focused and energized and alert when you're kind of like at a desk all day Mm -hmm. like that kind of thing and I was gonna ask like you know have you ever do you integrate any sort of like exercises to just get like you're like you know let's do five jumping jacks and then let's get back at it or something like that but I feel like now even though they like they have like the partitioners and stuff Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah, like, yeah. a lot of times I'll tell them, like, hey, you know, like, if I can tell them if they're getting antsy, because, like, at this age, like, all of the kids are, like, kind of squirming, like, because their, like, growth plates are fusing, and, like, mm-hmm. so, like, it's hard for them to stay still anyway, so I yeah. see, like, at, like, before this, like, we would do, like, little, like, relays, like, every, like, probably about 20 minutes, which I felt, like, was still too long anyway, because they're focused like just like and I tell them all the time I was like I'm not mad that you get distracted like that you get off task because that's a skill mm-hmm. that you're gonna need as an adult for you'll, you'll have your phone and you'll be scrolling through Instagram for 20 minutes and then you'll have to say to yourself oh my goodness I, I need to get back to work but, <laughs> yeah like and I tell them that like I'm like I promise like just but you have to listen to like the cues like if you like if I'm walking around and I'm like hey guys make sure that you're you're all on track if you if you need a minute you can take a minute but then you got to come back or you know mm-hmm. whatever it is but it's so hard because I like I'm not very uh rigid in my classroom like I have flexible seating like I have exercise balls and I have stools and I have I used to have standing desks 
they the way that we have to arrange our desk and chair, we weren't able to do it. But like, and mm. I just am not very like strict about where they sit. Like, are are you are you being productive? Are you allowing mm. others to be productive? Are you a fire hazard? That was like yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Like they would sit on the floor. They would sit. So it's so hard. Um, like to get movement. I mean, we're lucky because mm-hmm. at sixth grade, we my kids actually have two designated recesses. Mm, that's awesome. So they have twenty <laughs> minutes in the morning, and like like we have you know equipment. They have basketball. They have all these things, and then they have a twenty minute after lunch. So we're yeah. we're happy about that. Mm. But I do like the meditation idea too, <laughs> like when when the whole class needs a break or something. Mm-hmm. Well, and what's so funny is like they lately I've been trying to incorporate like ones, and I'll just pull it up on my phone and they can hear it, um, mm-hmm. just so they can see that it's not like it doesn't. Because I only do like minute ones, and it's like the Headspace ones off YouTube. Um, yeah. Because I really like his voice. It's very like mm-hmm. it's got a good. I don't know what it is. But, like, it takes a minute and, like, because, like, they have all of these different conceptions of what meditation is. And I'm like, it's, like, it's whatever you want it to be, kind of, but it's just a mm-hmm. chance for you to kind of center yourself. Or it, it, The one I listen to is always about stress. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, because I think that they, they need a good model on how to to kind of handle stress not to say that they're parents or whoever but like they don't usually think of teachers as like people sometimes not in a mean way but they're like you're just my teacher <laughs> like some of them i convinced still think that we live there <laughs> like it's, that's awesome it's so funny to see them out and about because like they always like it's always like this look on their face like does the school know that you left yeah <laughs> right <laughs> you, <laughs> you come to walmart oh yeah that's a bad example i don't ever go to walmart <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i'm telling on you that's what it feels like mm. sometimes <laughs> Do you consider yourself uh, like a stressed human being? No, not really. Um, mm. I feel like I process uh, anxiety and stress like at a faster pace. So, and I think this goes to the like this ties into the the type of um, behaviors I have with the data driven thing. Like, if I'm stressed. Um, I, I look for the things in the stress that I have control over. Like, and I've tried doing that for the longest, and that's something that I try and tell my kids. And it's not to say that I'm trying to say that you can't be stressed about it, but, like, let's focus, like, I try and focus on what I can do in whatever situation, and then I can only hope that if other people have some sort of input in it, that they're also doing their best, or that they're, you can always hope for the best, but do your best. Mm-hmm. Very stoic in yeah. a good way. <laughs> yeah. I had a thought, but it's gone. <laughs> That's what thoughts do. I know. Yeah, maybe it all 
come back around. Surprise you. Uh huh. It'll probably be in like three days, and then I'll be like, oh. <laughs> I hate when that happens. It's the worst. Because it's like I kind of enjoy it. It's a cool like connection <laughs> feeling. It's like, oh yeah. <laughs> We've come full circle in this little yeah. journey. <laughs> yeah. I think. Well, I think. Uh, oh, there, there it is. It's back. Hmm. Oh hi. Hello. <laughs> that was a quick one. <laughs> it was. But I think that that kind of thinking uh, is especially prevalent now because I th- well, like before, obviously there were things that we couldn't control in our life, mm-hmm. but now this is like a big thing that is affecting everybody. And we're all like, we all realize simultaneously that like, there are a lot of things outside of our control. Yeah. And so, and obviously a lot of little things begin or like big things begin little. So if you can just on a small scale, just acknowledge those feelings, like you were saying when they arise and then you just notice that, you know, kind of sift it out and you're like, Oh, okay. These things are just outside of my control and these things are in my control. So what can I kind of do about these things? And then you can shift that even smaller to like, well, these things I can't do right now because they're, you know, just not feasible for me at this time, but I can do this like one thing. And then it becomes so much more manageable. Yeah, I always and I always feel like they think that I'm talking to them in platitudes, not that I feel like they especially know that word. But but I always try and, like, give them, like, a real-world example because I'm, like, we always tell them things. And I am, like, such an advocate for explaining my reasoning and my thought process to kids. And my students, like, some people are still of the mindset, well, it's because whatever. But, like, when we were going through rules the other day, um, like in the hallway, like go run, and they're like, it's like it's not because we're like the not fun police, but we're like, no, we don't want you running. But uh-huh. and then like because the way our doors are, like they're set back in like an enclave or what, or, or an alcove or whatever. So like it's like a blind spot when you come out. Like so if you're somebody's like trucking it down the hallway, and you just like <laughs> pop out of there, which totally happened today, and I was like. That's why. That's why we do that. So, like, sometimes when, like, there are some certain things that they just hear all the time and they don't ever process it, I'm always, like, sure to be like, well, this is, this might be a reasoning behind this. This makes logical, perfect sense. Hmm. So. I've, I've noticed, too, like, in the interactions I have with, I don't know, kids have like this weird affinity towards me and so i'm like hey what's up and i'll talk to them just like they're little people uh-huh. and i've i've found that if i like if they ask me a question and i talk to them and like explain it just how i would explain it to most people just with like maybe a slightly different vocabulary uh-huh. they're like they're like oh yeah like that makes sense like they we i don't feel like we give them as much credit yeah. as they deserve when it comes to understanding things yeah. like yeah. we're like just because like we're afraid they're going to keep asking why, 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 or whatever. Yeah. But it, that's just like our own impatience, mm-hmm. which just it 
creates a bigger problem. It's like we need to deal with ourselves first. <laughs> right. Definitely. And what I've noticed, like, so I teach sixth grade now and I uh, taught GP a couple of years ago. So I had to go in for like the, the little baby classrooms, like kindergarten classrooms. And like that even works with them. Like mm-hmm. you just have to explain it to them. And a lot of times I don't even change my vocabulary, but then they ask, then they ask what the word is, and that just makes me excited because I get to teach. <laughs> nice, nice. But because I was doing a lesson over tactile once, or no, I used the word tactile. It was in a kindergarten class, and I said, "I want you to touch your hair, and then like touch your shirt. Like, do you do you see how that feels?" And like it was like. One of the crowning moments of being an educator is like the teacher came, cause like as the GC teacher, like I came in and like did my lesson and their teacher could go like make copies or go to Sonic and get a drink or whatever. Um, but <laughs> it was like the greatest thing ever when this adorable little girl walked, or like she's like waiting at the door for her teacher cause she was like the line leader like, and they go somewhere right after I leave. And, um, she goes, she was, the teacher was wearing like this silky shirt and she's like, I love the textile feature of your shirt, the texture. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have just knowledge just right there. And That's awesome. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with you that like we sometimes take for granted that like their brains are constantly learning. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what they're made for yeah where do you think that where does that idea come from because i feel like you know in if we were to be like in a survival situation Mm -hmm. and we had children we would want them to learn things as quickly as they could right because they kids are that's what they're meant to do like you said they're supposed to be able to learn things really quickly so that they don't you know die in like a Mm -hmm. evolutionary sense right but i wonder where why we stopped treating kids that way i i don't i honestly don't know i do think that some of the the educators that i know that are having a more difficult time with like this generation Mm. is that like this generation has so many examples of confronting authority not necessarily in a bad way like Mm -hmm. there are awesome examples of just because somebody says so doesn't mean that it's right like Mm -hmm. we've seen that especially like in the last few years or just because somebody who is quote-unquote in charge is doing it doesn't mean that it's okay (laughs) like Mm -hmm. so I think I see a lot of educators who are just like a hair older than me, like maybe 10 years old, because like that it's about like power and control of the room. And like Mm. that, I think it's a mind, a mindset shift because like, I don't like, I don't need the kids to think that I'm the one that's in control. Like, I don't need that type of Mm -hmm. I don't want to say validation because I don't know if that's the correct term for it. But there are some teachers that they want their kids to know, like, they're, this is their, like, king. Yeah. That, huh. 
Yeah, because it goes back kind of to what you were saying earlier is what I'm thinking about, like that you just like we were talking about with the pandemic, that things are outside of our control. It seems that you also kind of approach the classroom in that same way, you know, that the kids are going to do things that are outside of your control. But yeah, that's just like how, you know, it is. You're never going to be able to control every aspect of you know 23 children well and like i don't and i i feel like education is shifting towards like showing children that it's okay to make mistakes like you learn in mistakes not just hearing Mm -hmm. that like saying over and over again but i also like so i think that this might be a part of it too with like the way that like we don't really explain things to kids like or we do or we're hoping to now but like um with that mindset it doesn't lend itself to like showing that teachers make mistakes and do stuff like that and i like i'm the first person to be like yeah that was a not that was as to quote one of my uh, friend's kids, that was a bad choose, bad choose. <laughs> and I say that all the time in front of my kids, like, because they just need to know, like, and especially, like, this age, like, they think that the whole world is, like, staring at them all the time. Mm. Like, they feel like everything is, you know, like, like, they're going through, I forget what, what stage it is, but, like, super ego, ego, I don't know. But they mm-hmm. think that, like, everybody is always looking at them and that, like, oh, man, I'm so embarrassed or anything. So just giving them kind of, like, a, a safe place to be like, oh, you messed up. That's okay. Uh-huh. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get through it. it you know, that's yeah. okay. And I, I'm like, I wish more people just said that, like, just in general. Like, yeah. you saw somebody, like, <laughs> Like trip. Oh man. Like it's okay. You're fine. Don't worry about it. Nobody nobody cares. Like nobody's laughing uh-huh. at you. Like I did that the other day, just nobody saw it. They just they just <laughs> caught you. Sorry, man. That really is like one of the most freeing things though. It's like when you can just like be like, Oh, I goofed up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that happened. We're gonna move on now. Yeah. Like, like that was that was that- a thing. Yeah, instead of like brooding over it and like, like, you know, putting it in a pot and like adding all this extra nasty stuff to it, making it all. I did not realize all the more people did that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, looking back, like I feel like I can almost viscerally feel the times when I did do it, like in high school and middle school and everything else, and like, yeah, I, I could have saved myself a lot of trouble if I would have known that, like, it didn't really matter, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I guess, I don't know that I've ever, but, like, I can definitely remember, I guess, getting embarrassed or whatever, but I, um, it physically hurts me, almost, to see somebody else do something embarrassing. I could mm-hmm. fall like flat on my face in front of an auditorium full of kids and just be like, oh, oops. 
Mm-hmm. And like just see somebody else. That, and I think it's a part of like empathy. Like I'm like, oh my gosh, they're so embarrassed right now. Oh my gosh, like that. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah, I don't know what it is. That I, mm-hmm. that was very hard to get over as a middle school teacher. Like mm. I just had to keep telling, like t- saying out loud, it's okay. Nobody, it's not that big of a deal. It's really not. I promise. Yeah. Uh huh. Did you experience that in sports at all? Like I don't know, maybe. Because you said you were a solid athlete, like not like the star or anything. So yeah. like mistakes happen, you know? Yeah. Like the, when you made mistakes and everything, were you like, did you beat yourself up about it? Or was it like, all right, next one, like the next one, just keep looking to the I next one? I was definitely the second kid. Okay. Definitely That's... the second kid. Like my rebound rate, like going, especially in sports, is like, okay, if that happened, I did that wrong. And I usually like apologize to somebody for it because I'm a, I'm a super apologizer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, even if it was just to like my coach, coach, I'm sorry, I, like that, like I'm gonna do better next time, like I won't let mm-hmm. that happen again. And then it was just mm-hmm. over and done with, which is like something that you have to verbalize to kids, mm-hmm. because like I and it took me so long to realize that because I'm not somebody who really holds on to like things like grudges or whatever, not real ones at least, like. You know, everybody has, like, a funny, like, play. Like, you remember that one time you da-da-da? Anyway. Mm-hmm. But, like, so many of my kids now, like, I I noticed that they, they would, like, do something where I had to, like, they weren't able to self-correct. And I, I mentioned that to them. I said, the only reason I'm saying something to you is because, like, you weren't able to correct it, so you need you need my help in correcting it. Um, if they would come back later that day and be like, are you mad at me? No, I, I am absolutely not mad at you. I'm so sorry. So now, like when I'm, when I'm having to help somebody like regulate, um, I'm always like, you know, the reason I'm over here is because like, I tried to give you the opportunity and the space for you to regulate it and, and you weren't able to and that's okay. So I'm over here. I'm going to give you a little reminder, but I'm not mad at you. Like I'm not mad at you. <laughs> Like, I, mm-hmm. I say that a lot, and especially now, like, since, like, like, I, like, we have, where I live, uh, a prevalent thought of, uh, this isn't real, and, uh, it's gonna be gone after the election, and, uh, mm-hmm. like, the kids will say it, like, so there's so much, like, emotion, I guess, or, like, conflicting ideas, or just, like, that's what I got. And like, I'm always like, I just wouldn't hate for them to think that I'm mad at them. I'm not mad at you. Because mm-hmm. I think as a kid, that was one of the, like, those are the type of feelings that I remember is remembering, like, thinking that I had hurt somebody's feelings and they were, like, mad at me. Like, I hate yeah. as a kid. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to have someone, like, disappointed in you was, like, yeah. the worst thought. Yeah. Yes. Oh man, those were the worst. Yeah, but it really, I mean, man, imagine if we could create spaces like that everywhere, you know? Because I mean, you're doing this with sixth graders who are then going to, you know, carry it on. But I mean, I've been in plenty of workplaces where stuff like that you know never goes acknowledged because 
people just sit on it, you know, because there isn't that space where one, you know, you're kind of holding the kids accountable for something that may, they may have done, but then also where the kids have enough understanding that they can, you know, that they can even come to you with that question to be like, are you mad at me? Is mm-hmm. a pretty big question to ask. Yeah. That was, uh, you brought up something that I was thinking about. Do you feel like uh, the pandemic has uh, made us more aware or like vocally aware of like mental health needs? Mm. Just like, just because it's, people are talking about it more? Yeah. And like, they're like, so like a bunch of the podcasts have like, I forget what it is, but they're just like, it's more accessible. Mm. Um, and it's almost like, cause I mean, I'm not normally, well, no, I guess sometimes I'm a phone talker and sometimes I'm not, but like there, I have a few friends that do like, they just phone conference with a mental health professional. Mm-hmm. But if they don't, like, there's so much anxiety of going to, like, a new doctor's office and what if it doesn't work out and what if all this other stuff. So it's, like, the actual visit creates more anxiety. So, but I I feel like, I, I don't know if it's just, like, there were more ads for it. But I'm just wondering mm-hmm. if you guys noticed that, like, people were actively talking about mental health more during the pandemic. I think it would definitely make sense if they were. Um, I, I, you, are you, you're referring more to like advertisement and stuff for it. Yeah, I guess, or just like awareness. Yeah, just referencing it that it's a thing. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I barely get on Instagram and everything else too, though. So. I'm not, like, a, the best person to ask about it. <laughs> I know, like, in, well, like, in my, I guess, like, I've always been pretty fortunate that, like, well, because my mom has pretty bad anxiety. And, like, just as a family, it was something we always, like, grew up talking about. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel very fortunate in that sense. But I definitely feel like, um, maybe not so much with like, like Ian and I's age group, but definitely with my little sister Skyland. She's a senior in high school now. Mm-hmm. I notice it with her friend group and the way that she talks about, uh, you know, kids at her school. They definitely talk about mental health a lot more, and you know, kids are really open about their therapists. And they'll be like, oh, you know, my therapist said this thing the other day, blah, blah, blah. And it was really helpful. So, mm -hmm. yeah, in that aspect, it's definitely more normalized. Well, and I had said that, like, some of my kids were like, did you know that it's suicide awareness month? And I was like, I did, I did. I didn't know how to respond to it, and I felt really bad. I was like, are you informing me? Is there a reason you're informing me? Mm-hmm. Uh, so. 
yeah, I think the kids are, it's definitely becoming more talked about on social media for sure. And like you were saying, there's, I feel like there's a lot more online resources, which I mean, not, not that everybody has access to internet, which we've also found out is like a privilege, but you know, going to a therapist was also like an incredible privilege because you had to have access. So now at least the range of access is a little bit bigger, which is, yeah. yeah. But I've definitely heard a lot of ads on NPR. Like every, uh, (laughs) I was going to say every NPR show ends with like an ad for better help. So we know that NPR is sponsored by somebody who wants our, or at least we hope that their intention is to, <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. to help us mentally. Uh-huh. I think, did you have anything else to add, Ian? I think it's a good place to end. No, this was awesome. I can't, I, I wish I could. too much. I'm so sorry. No. no. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I think that means like you were willing to like, open up to us a little bit which is really cool to get to get a little bit personal you know yeah Bryn Han one of my favorite <laughs> people <laughs> I know and it was that was talking a... to you Ian like I get, it's fun to talk to somebody that I listen to although I'm not going to lie to you I, I listened to the first season um, and then I didn't realize some of your intermittent ones weren't part of the season so uh, one of the things, this, this uh, bringing us back full circle, I'm not listening to anything until the whole season is done. Because, <laughs> like, I'm like, I can't wait for it. I can't wait for it. So I have, like, five shows. That I'm oh, like, man. Oh, get it together. <laughs> yeah. Whatever it is. So. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, well, thank you, Kim. I appreciate it. Thank you for, for having me. This is fun. Absolutely. This is like therapeutic for me. <laughs> that That's the goal, right? <laughs> Honestly. Didn't have to pay anything. <laughs> we'll have you back on for another therapy like, session. <laughs> next week at Wednesday at 6 o'clock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, really. Thank you so much. This was fun. Of course. Thanks, Kim. Yeah, thanks. I'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.